Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us. We're continuing our series entitled Common Christian Problems, and today we're going to be talking about healing the father wound. We generally underestimate the depth of harm that can cause a young man or a young woman through a father's misbehavior, deficiencies, but the father wound can be caused from a number of things. Divorce, because very often in a divorce, the father literally leaves the home in which the father is living or was living, that causes a father wound. Uh, Desertion, similar to that, or a man who's preoccupied with his business pursuits. Abuse by a father, whether it's verbal or physical or both, can cause a father wound. Alcoholism, which tends to go with verbal and or physical abuse. Uh, Death, uh, death of a father, particularly when a child is young, can cause a father wound. But it's interesting, death of a father is not as traumatic as divorce or desertion. Dr. Paul Vitz, a very faithful Catholic psychologist, has written a fascinating book entitled Faith of the Fatherless, subtitled The Psychology of Atheism. And it's kind of interesting that Dr. Vitz basically psychoanalyzes Freud, kind of turns the table on them, as well as a number of the world's leading atheistic philosophers. And interesting Dr. Vitz could trace their atheism, their war against God, so to speak, back to a father wound, something that happened in their relation with their father that caused such a disturbance that they were basically taking it out on the world and God. And it's a very interesting book. And fathers have this tremendous impact on their children. Now, why is that? In case you're listening, you haven't been to one of our fatherhood conferences with St. Joseph's Covenant Keepers, or you're a wife and you've never been to one of these conferences, one of the things that I try to do is draw the picture that central to the life of a child or a grown human being is that person's relationship with God the Father. You know, you might ask yourself, we're coming up to a very special time of year when we're approaching Holy Week, uh, Easter, uh, the Ascension, Pentecost. Just ask the big question, what was it all about? What did Jesus come to do? And key to that, he basically, through his sacrificial death, resurrection, and ascension, he reunites us with the Father, and in his name, sends the Holy Spirit as the promise of the Father to reunite us with God. This is the goal of our humanity. This this is really something deeply engraved in every human being. Now, the role of a human father isn't to be perfect. There's only one perfect 
father. And it's certainly not me. I'm a father of eight children. It's not any dads listening to this broadcast. We're all imperfect. But the idea is, in our imperfect fatherhood, we seek with God's grace to make it good enough so that a child will want to then go on and unite with God the Father. I compare it to, if you can imagine, if you've ever seen some gymnasts, they want to get on a trampoline and they do it in a fancy way. They just don't hop on the trampoline. They generally go on a rebounder that's angled and they hit the rebounder and then some of them even do a big flip and everything and then land on the trampoline. Well, that's what earthly fathers are. We're we're the rebounders, so to speak, and our goal is to be a good enough rebounder so that our children will go on to have this union with God the Father. And when that doesn't happen, uh, then there's this father wound that causes all types of things. Now, every child has to go through, and I'm particularly going to talk about the side of it of men and boys, because that's what I've dealt most with, but this applies to young women too. But there are two basic developmental tasks that a psychologist will say each child needs, and especially boys. Uh, The first is the separation from the mother. For girls, this isn't as essential as a boy, because at birth, obviously, as the child grows, the male child grows within the womb of the mother. For the first year, there's there's almost a, uh, a oneness, so to speak, between mother and child. But at some point, he's going to have to recognize that he's different and become an individual with unique characteristics different from the mother. That's step one. And that's one way a boy can be thrown off course with having an overly dominating, involved, smothering mother, we would say, doesn't prevent this boy from becoming uh, his own person to develop into manhood. So step one is the separation. Step step two, and again, this is really essential for boys because they're not going to get this from their mothers, it's to form a gender identity. And boy, isn't that something in today's world? There's probably more gender identity confusion than I I would imagine any time in human history when things about gender confusion are enshrined in laws and such like this. But a boy gets his gender identity by observation and interacting with a father or if a father isn't present, a father-like figure. The best single mom in the world, and there's some very heroic single moms, they can't convey this to a boy. He has to learn his identity by observation and interaction with a man. Now, I'm just going to take one problem that's fairly widespread as a result of a father wound. And all types of addictions. You talk about an addiction to uh, pornography, uh, sexual acting out, uh, drugs, alcohol, gambling, and very often those suffering father wounds have two or three of these type of addictions, not just one. 
because they're trying in some way to use substances or behaviors to basically fill that void. Now, this is very controversial in today's world because homosexual activists very often are hurting, believe it or not. And part of that, to explain their behavior, they basically say this is genetic. It doesn't have anything to do with with me, my environment. It's due to genes, and I can't help it. But actually, homosexual attractions very often stem, not always, but very often stem from a father wound. In fact, the best man that I knew of to help in a compassionate way those struggling with unwanted homosexual attractions was a man by Dr. Joseph Nicolosi. He passed away a few years ago, uh, suffered a heart attack, I believe it was, and an early death. But I had the privilege, I think I was the first uh, Catholic to be able to interview him. Um, A family paid for me and a film crew to fly from Florida to California to film him, and then we turned those films over to EWTN. And Dr. Nicolosi treated hundreds of young men with unwanted sexual attractions. Um, He trained other psychologists to do the same. And he told me in his practice, he has never had a young man struggling with unwanted homosexual attractions who didn't have some type of father wound, some type of father who had left through desertion, preoccupation with business, abuse, neglect, whatever, it was always relating to the father. And why is that? Well, the homosexual attractions, the unwanted ones, are very often a deep need to connect with the father. Remember, that's, that's, that's kind of the overall goal of your search in life as well as for redemption. And an earthly father plays a key role in that. So what happens, there, there, there is a tendency in a young man with the father wound to eroticize the type of love he didn't get from his father and try to find it from other males. And what Dr. Nicolosi tried to do was to work with fathers, if the child was still in the home or the teenager, whatever, to try to re-involve the father in that young man's life. And by doing so, the unwanted homosexual attractions tended to go away. Now, it's very interesting to me because um, the work of Dr. Nicolosi Uh, has basically been outlawed in his home state, the state of uh, California, as well as several states, including those run by some Republican governors, as well as municipalities. They have outlawed Dr. Nicolosi's type of therapy. Now, it's not necessarily over because Dr. Nicolosi's son, Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr., has further refined and taken a step in a, I think, a more comprehensive way, his father's work. It's called reintegrative therapy. And you can find Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr. And you might want to just write this down because I guarantee you in today's world, so many broken families, so many young men struggling with unwanted sexual attractions. And and by the way, I think there's a 
bit of a erroneous story put forth to men struggling with homosexual attractions. To simply say, you know, remain chaste as a homosexual the rest of your life may be a great message if you're over 30 years old. But if you're a teenager, you don't even have a fixed uh, gender identity. It's fluid. It's developing. And there's a lot of opportunity in your 20s to change as well. Uh, Father Harvey, the founder of, um, can't think of the name right now, but the Catholic outreach to homosexuals, he said, you know, at 30, the, the personality starts hardening, but there's hope for change if you're younger. And here's what Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr. has done. He started this reintegrative therapy. And I'm looking at a chart coming from his website, reintegrativetherapy.com. And it says the definition attempts to change sexual orientation. Conversion therapy, which many have uh, outlawed, sexual orientation change is the goal. Okay, that's the goal. That's why you're going to the therapy. In reintegrative therapy, that is not the goal. The clients are not encouraged and there's no focus placed on changing one's sexual orientation. Rather, the goal of the therapy is to resolve trauma. And as they, and particularly if it's a homosexual attraction, the trauma goes back to a father wound. And if you can have therapy to deal with that as you seek and find healing for the trauma, the unwanted attractions start falling away. And this is reintegrative therapy, and it's very interesting. The other group in the United States who helps with um, all types of unwanted sexual behaviors, sexual addictions, is an organization called Faithful and True. It was founded by dark Dr. Mark Laser, who has also passed away in the last couple of years. But his organization continues. Those he has trained continues. It's faithfulandtrue.com. And the reason I recommend them, along with Dr. Joseph Nicolosi Jr., is that rather than attacking the behavior or the addiction, so to speak, they go to the wound that may be driving that behavior, and it's a more effective uh, therapy because it can actually bring change. And this is where I kind of part company with some say that there can't be change, particularly if you're under 30, there can be change. And the change can actually happen a lot faster than you might imagine. And so um, what Faithful and True offers are three-day intensives, and I recommend that because this isn't just a quick visit for 45 or 50 minutes, but you have three days to concentrate and find the root of it once you get to the bottom of it. And because of the coronavirus, it's actually a lot easier to get a hold of Dr. Nicolosi Jr. and the Faithful and True Ministries because they're now online. They're using these seminars and counseling therapies online so you can reach out to them for from wherever you are. So 
And I, I mention a lot with young men, but I would just say with women, one of the longest studies ever done uh, on the effects of divorce and children tracked men and women from early childhood right up to the point of, say, like, I think it was a 25-year study. So some of the w- women in the study were approaching their 30s, and one of the difficulties, the great difficulties they had was committing to marriage. Because if the first man in their life abandoned them, so to speak, how could they ever trust any man? And so it was very difficult for them to make a commitment and a relationship that would lead to marriage. So uh, these are type of profound difficulties that can be solved if you're going to the root. And very often, the father wound is the cause of that. I, I personally find one of the more outstanding evidences of father wound by some person who happens to be very honest about it is the movie producer Steven Spielberg. Uh, Forbes magazine, this is a little old statistic, but at the last count, he had over $3 billion of net worth. And Time magazine pegged him as one of the most important people of the century. And yet, listen to what Steven Spielberg said about his father and his family life. Quote, I never made a film where some part of the story didn't come from some experience I shared with my family, unquote. Quote again, it's a nagging theme in my work, a family divided, a family united. Unquote. At the time, uh, E.T., the little uh, extraterrestrial guy who lands on Earth who's trying to get home, he keeps going around saying, phone home, phone home. He wants to get home, reunite with his family. And then there's this little boy, Henry, in this film from 1982, who that doesn't have a father in the family. And they both kind of bond because they're both suffering this type of family wound, this, this uh, desire, so to speak, to reunite. And Spielberg's main point in the film is that uh, he wanted, Spielberg wanted to reunite with his father. And that was part of the point of his making E.T., And fortunately, I believe he reunited with his dad sometime after this film. But it shows you one of the more wealthy and powerful men in the world at this point, very influential, says, I hardly made a film where the trauma that he went through as a boy with an absent father didn't show up in his films. And this shows you not only do men like Spielberg and every person listening to my voice have a need to reunite with not just an earthly father, because that's not always possible, but ultimately the goal of that earthly father is to reunite through Christ to the heavenly father. So I've got five F's we're going to go through, five F's to help you if you may be one suffering from a father wound and everybody to some degree uh, has because 
no father is perfect. And uh, as I told someone uh, recently, I think I got off easy on this, actually real easy. Uh, My dad wasn't perfect. No surprise. There isn't a perfect dad. But at some point in my life, namely the teen years, I was such a horrible son. I have nothing to complain about with my dad. It, it's on me. So, and that's really where the finger should be pointing. But um, any case, that's just my story about all this. The five Fs. The first F is face it. Don't bury it. And if you have a father wound, and you think because of a Christian commitment or because of uh, bearing it deep enough in your life and you're going to get married, that it's going to stay buried in some kind of deep recess in your life. Believe me, it will come out. Father wounds come out. Um, For Spielberg, they came out in the big screen. If you get married, they will come out in your marriage. It's almost impossible to keep these from coming back out. So face it, rather than bury it, and it's really good to talk about it. Now, (laughs) I have to say this in today's world, but I'm not talking about an Oprah kind of talking about it, um, things that should be left to family circles, and I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm talking about that unique kind of close friend you could talk about something like this, or a counselor, or a priest, or a deacon, someone you can trust that can keep their mouth closed, whatever you share with them, but you have to get it from the inside to the outside. Face it, okay? Number two is forgive. Uh, If you've been wounded, and it's very difficult not to be wounded by somebody you love. I mean, that's, it's going to happen because none of us are perfect, and we wound the deepest, those who are closest to us that we love the most. So in that case, Jesus has some really straightforward commands to us. In the Our Father, he says in Matthew 6 and verse 12, he tells us to pray and forgive us our debts. That's step one. As we also have forgiven our debtors, and this is the only petition that Jesus elaborates on in the Our Father. In other words, if he says, if there's one petition in the Our Father, you might overlook. If there's one petition in the Our Father, you really need to have the rest of it have any sense, even to have a connection with the Father. And then Jesus goes on to say, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So there's no way in the world to have a Christian life, a family life, a personal life without forgiveness. Every person, either that you're married to and your family, your your family of origin, your dad, your mom, whoever, uh, you have to extend forgiveness. It doesn't mean that you somehow okay something bad that was done, but you basically express forgiveness with your mouth and with your heart and don't carry it around. Uh, Number three is focus. Focus on the good. Now, 
there may be some people out there that truly there was absolutely nothing worthwhile coming from their earthly fathers. And that's a small minority, but I recognize there's some people like that. But most people can find good things their earthly fathers did, even though there was some extreme hurts from him. And basically you want to do is when you let your mind go to the things that were good, okay? The times that were good, the things that were done that were good and focus on that. Number four is find, find good role models. And this is where the Catholic faith shines rather brightly and this is where the year 2021 shines rather brightly because it's the year of St. Joseph. And it's very easy. I'm talking about a family member came to me who's a Protestant, in fact, a Protestant minister, and said, you know, Steve, you know, my dad really didn't do a very good job with us and he wasn't blaming him or anything. He says, now I'm a father and I don't really have a model on what to do. And here I had become a Catholic, and yet he was very receptive to what I said about St. Joseph, that he is a model. And look at him as one who, uh, faithful to Mary, despite trauma, uh, faithful to his wife, a provider, a protector, the guardian of the Holy Family, a worker, and a teacher to the child Jesus, son of God himself. And if you take the life of Joseph, you can have that role model that you may not have been given. Okay, so we started face it, forgive, focus on the good, find good role models, and finally, you need the fire. The fire is the fire of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit given as the promise of the Father. as we go through the season of Lent into Holy Week, uh, sometimes we kind of drop out of the race a little too early because the ascension is kind of a part of that continuum, not only rising from the dead, but that rising in a certain sense, even though there's a time gap, the ascension is the continuation of that rising, that Christ is king of the universe. But don't forget We don't want to drop out of the race when we only have 10 yards to go because Pentecost is part of that whole plan and the Holy Spirit brings the Father's love in an immediate way to the human heart. And that's why we can pray for the outpouring of God's love through the Holy Spirit. And this is why we go through this whole procession, uh, not just Holy Week, not just Ascension, but Pentecost, when the promise of the Father bestows his love on us. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 329 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.